Hi, my name is Sharanya. I'm Stan. You're listening to Mean by Scene, a podcast where we talk about mean girls one scene at a time. Episode 16. Most people just take the crown and go. Yeah. Easy. Right. We should just use that. <laughs> yeah, that. Is that Very like low Not energy. Really. <laughs> Uh, we're covering uh, the mathletes arrive at the spring fling. There's some um, various interactions with people. Um, wait, what happens next? Does she do the kind of reconciliation with people before the announcement of king and queen? I forget. There's some kind of reconciliation I decide. Uh, spring fling king is announced. It's Shane Oman, obviously. Uh, Katie, surprisingly, is the queen. She does a speech, which is not mandatory or desired. Um, <laughs> she breaks the crown up into pieces and throws it to different people, uh, and then what happens after that? There's a, a that's when she makes dancing. amends. Yeah, that's when she makes amends, and then after that, we segue into an epilogue, which is in the following school year, I think, where all is at peace in girl world, and we see some different scenes showing what happened to the major characters, and some junior plastics almost get hit by a bus, and then the credits roll, and that's it. And yeah, amazingly, what an achievement. We've made it through the whole film of Sharanya. We've done it. Well, I know. we've done this episode, but basically we've, we've done it. We, we've, we started off when we were still colleagues and now yeah, we're here. True, you've now, you've since completed a degree, a degree since we began this podcast. And started a new job. Yeah. Um, so that's fun. <laughs> but all right. So what? First segment is, of course, fetch scene. It's adorable. Oh, it's so fetch. What is fetch? Fetch. Scenes. What do you love about this uh, finale? Um. Uh, wow. I, I knew this was coming and I'm still blanking for some reason. Um, I think without, like, this doesn't even need to be said but obviously it does because we're doing a podcast about it but yeah if, we, if you don't say it there's gonna be a lot of <laughs> it's just gonna be dead air um yeah so i obviously kevin napore great character like even though he didn't make that much of an entry during this scene like he's a classic anything with kevin napore is much appreciated i think okay that's surprising me because i i I thought, well, for a start, I thought you were going to start higher level. But if you had been going to say a character, I would have expected you to go for Principal Duval, who I think gets tremendous um, lines and, and kind of body language in this scene, if you were going to pick one character. But I mean, Kevin, uh, I can't argue with either. Yeah, so I, I here's, Duval. Here's, Duval still has to show for me, though. Here's the thing about Principal Duval, right? I really like the character of Principal Duval. But at the same time, in my head, I'm like, that's not what a principal w would do. I mean, I know it's a movie and it's like, obviously it doesn't have to be realistic. But realistically, as a principal, it feels like he's low-key bullying some of his students. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of true. Um... Which to me is hilarious. I think it's funny, but also it's not very realistic for a principal to do it 
So it maybe felt like so. it was just for the gags. You feel like it's a bit cheap? Um, maybe, maybe. Um, actually, I have a thing for connections, maybe that we can we can compare and contrast with that. Mm. Um, all right, let, let's pull back. So, okay. I think this might be the, as an ending, with everything that happens, I think this might be the best possible ending for the film. Mm. Because all the kind of, I mean, all right, I'm sure if you workshop this at great length, you could probably come up with some equally good ones. But the obvious things, like the thing you expect to happen, like for Katie and her and Damien and Janice to win some kind of resounding victory over the plastics and for the plastics to be crushed and outcast, that wouldn't be good. That would be very much undermining the message of this movie for a start. Um, but I mean, maybe I'm just not very imaginative, though. Is, is it the best possible ending or just quite a good one? Or, or what? I I think it's the best possible ending because I feel like it gives everyone a bit of a redemption arc, which is I think it's really important to see that you know these kids are in high school, they're still growing, they're still learning, they're still finding their place, which is why the epilogue was really really well done as well. Um, yeah, I really appreciated it. I think it was good. I mean, some of them are clearly just just for the gag, like uh, most of the plastics ones. Yeah, like they're they're cheap throwaways, but it's okay. Um, and they have, and then seeing the cipher, I think the masterstroke for me in this, I think it's the junior plastics, which mm. is interesting. Like again, it's like the problem hasn't been solved forever, but this it's someone else's um, yeah. life now. And I think what's great about the junior plastics is. It's like an example of, I think there's a few of these in the film, this sort of memorable moment where, um, in a way, there's not much to it. You know, you see the slow motion of those three girls walking by, and the actors don't have to do much. They just sort of have to look a bit sulky mm-hmm. and then be filmed doing that, which, to be honest, after three hours on set, is probably not much of a stretch. Um, there's not much action, although you do have to set up the timing with the bus coming, which is harder than you would think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I suspect, by the way, quick tech note, um, I would imagine that they filmed it from quite a long distance on extreme zoom to make the bus appear closer to the actors than it actually was, which is a mm-hmm. thing I learned from Robert Rodriguez's book, Rebel Without a Crew. Um, but yeah, you know, like you got the director, Mark Waters, the editor, I have looked this up and I'm reading it off a screen, Wendy Green, <laughs> one, the cinematographer, Darren Akada, right? None of these are household names, but throughout the film, they've delivered these iconic shots and sequences often with you know the plastics walking down the corridor um these very memorable compositions but they're never showy they're not like a quentin tarantino you know mia wallace drawing uh, a rectangle in, on the screen and it appears none of that kind of show-off stuff it's just these compositions that feel naturalistic even then even though they're quite often not very naturalistic yeah. they don't jump out at you they don't kind of break your immersion in the film mm-hmm. and yet they're so as we've seen eminently memeable on the internet and you know people can do can strike a certain pose and you know what they're referring to in the film so and yeah i think the junior plastics is one of the best of those because these are characters we've never seen before and never will again and how many seconds are they on the screen for like maybe five maybe five yeah and yet you, you kind of know everything about them that you, that you need to so um yeah. yeah i really appreciated that and i think it's uh good to so also, well, the the message of the film, which is that this is a perennial problem that mm-hmm. girls are going to face. So 
yeah, that's. I think that's all of my fetch scenes, aside from everything about this whole this whole scene. <laughs> apart from the whole movie, which was apart from everything in yeah. itself. I mean, um, you that, know what? Go on. Yeah. I I also like her parents' reaction because they look like obviously they're. It's a whole challenge, like raising a child that's going to school and not homeschooling her. Um, so kind of to figure out how to punish her, but also being low-key proud that she won this, like won the Spring Fling Queen. And yeah. that mixed reaction that they both showed of like confused pride <laughs> and yes, exactly. just a little bit of anger. <laughs> it was great. I feel like they did a very good job. Hey, we're doing a lunchtime survey of new students. Can you answer a few questions? Okay. Well, so I'm going to start with a more like jokey question and then do a more serious question. <laughs> Is it, do you think it's safe to throw like such sharp objects? Because she breaks the tiara and it looks quite sharp. Do you think it's safe to throw that into the audience? Like, I think it's a hazard. I think it, it might, especially if it catches someone in the eye. I think the ones at stage yeah. level are probably pretty safe because, um, I mean, I'm not an expert, but I've I've seen some of these fancy dress tiaras up close, and they're not like they're not as sharp as they they look. But the broken pieces, the broken pieces, up speed, kind of going down from the stage, you know, towards. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, there's yeah, she throws down to a bunch of people down there. That's kind of asking for just. I mean, to one person, the chances of an injury are pretty small. But the more people you throw it to, the more you're <laughs> the more you're risking probability yeah. turning against you, right? So, personally, um, you. if I was. Yeah. Principal Duval, I would stop her from throwing the tiara instead of stopping her from making the speech. Yeah. Hot take. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all right. Um, what's your serious question then? Or actually, wait, I've got another trivial question. I might might try and squeeze that in before we get serious. Um, yeah. Which is, are we to infer um, from the revelation of her ethnicity at the end that? the rumors about Janice being a lesbian may have stemmed from someone mishearing or misreading the word Lebanese. <laughs> um, I don't know. I <laughs> Look, that's not entirely out of the realm of possibility, but yeah. I feel like that rumor started because of Regina George mm. needing space from Janice and like their friendship ending. Yeah, so, I think you're right. I think it's just a, a sort of fun parallel reading. Yeah. Kind of. But it could be. It's the sort of thing that would be a joke, that might have been a joke in an earlier draft, maybe, and they just sort of left that. I don't know, yeah, so. That really reminds me of that scene in Bend It Like Beckham, where her grandma's like, lesbian? I thought she was a Sagittarius. <laughs> yeah. Which is so good. What a classic movie. Maybe we should do a podcast about that next. Okay. Okay, let's not do it scene by scene though, because it turns out that no. takes a really long time. Because, yeah, no, yeah. we we won't do that. No. Um, okay, well, I shall I do my serious question. Okay, uh, why do you think that Damien and Janice even attempted that kiss? Like, were they? I thought it was just common knowledge in that movie 
that Damien is gay because especially the way they kept portraying him as like one of the girls like even when they were doing the trust exercises he was with the girls and I thought that was just an offensive way of them being like oh he's gay so why then in the end did they make Damien and Janice kiss or, or nearly yeah I don't know it's uh well I think it is just the another retreat we've talked about there's a few kind of old hardy jokes in this film where they just like trot out old classics from the you know 1940s and yeah. this I think is one of the sort of uh everyone getting caught up in the moment like I think I'm pretty sure I've seen Laurel and Hardy do something like this you know uh, like kind of you see like you cut two or three shots of people for example kissing and then one couple who like hate each other almost do it Oh, yeah, that would be the thing. It would normally be one of those kind of um, screwball comedies where you've got a man and a woman who hate each other and they almost get something. Oh, no, wait, I've just remembered I hate you. And then, like, <laughs> probably one of them is played by Cary Grant. What, the, the man, I would assume. Yeah. And uh, I think it's that joke. But it's, yeah. yeah, you're right. It's a bit of an odd one. I would have expected that to get dropped, uh, you know, to get cut after they yeah. shot it. But maybe they just... I. I suppose the other thing is that they sort of need to be included in that little bit of this scene. Yeah, but I really and, and like the thing. I just couldn't think of a good moment, but I'm sure they could have come up with something decent. You know, I think they could have, because yeah. I'm sure. Like, I, I really like the thing they did with Janice and Kevin. I mm. think that was really funny and well done. So I, I feel yeah. like they could have really dropped the Damien and Janice thing, and then done a different kind of thing for Damien. Maybe like he meets another guy who's also gain the high school l gasp <laughs> yeah i mean there's sort of there's been a whole bit about him being the committee on the committee right so surely there's some kind of admin business he could be off doing uh you're right the, the yeah. bit with kevin um just uh, should have put this in fetch scenes but i i loved how completely un like unreadable janice's expression is at that moment because there's so many different emotions that that might that face might represent yeah um, and then it cuts away <laughs> before, you can, before you can find out so that's great yeah, I think I think maybe this is the that's probably the worst bit of the scene, isn't it? Like, yeah, the, yeah. It was. Yeah. It felt like an unnecessary gag. I have a note from something we kind of discussed before. This is a sort of serious question. Um, okay, yeah, I've kind of a serious question, but I think I can phrase it in a slightly trivial way as well, which is the bit with Gretchen at the end where she is now hanging out with the cool Asians. Um, I have now confirmed that she is speaking uh, Vietnamese. It didn't mm -hmm. sound like Cantonese to me, but then, like, I also, I wouldn't, I don't speak Vietnamese. So, anyway, apparently it is Vietnamese. It's quite bad, though. And that is one, presumably, the reason why she's talking away. And then the actual Vietnamese girl just says, what? Yes. Now, the question, therefore, is have the production, you know, the writers and, and director, accidentally or on purpose done a joke about themselves assuming that uh, taking on the trappings of another culture is something you can easily do within a matter of weeks as proven by the names of the Vietnamese characters in this movie I think accidental That's, but uh, I, I would say accidental as well I, I feel like with a lot of these more you know like sensitive topics that they've joked on I don't think they put a lot of thought into it which like again contextually I get that during that era, you know, yeah. people weren't being so thoughtful about Wikipedia, the show. It, it was yeah. harder, but, you know, mm, so. 
I mean, still questionable. I, yeah, I think I, I was I was more annoyed by that scene when I thought that she was supposed to be speaking actually good Vietnamese. Now I kind of realize she isn't, and that sort of makes it okay. But I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. That's um that's the other questionable part of this, as we sort of mentioned. Yeah, especially because she's dyed her hair black and straightened it, which is really yeah. it was really weird. Yeah, <laughs> but she is wearing the hoop earrings finally. Yeah, so, yeah. good for her. Good for her. All right, let's go do connections. I've got a bunch of connections notes. You'll be pleased to know. <laughs> Waddell on South Boulevard. Caller ID. Not when you connect from information. Hello. I've got. I think my main one is the song "Built This Way," which was. Do you have that? Should uh, I just talk about I it? Think I do. Should we talk? Yeah, let's talk about the music. So, so, yeah, so that song was co-written by someone called DJ Samantha Ronson. Oh uh, yeah, Samantha Ronson, sister of uh, not John Ronson, uh, Mark Ronson, John Ronson. Yeah, yeah. And apparently, Samantha Ronson and Lindsay Lohan were dating at some point. I don't know if they were dating during the like that period of. Mean Girls, or maybe it was after. I don't really know Love when, y'all. but because because she goes, oh my god, I know this song because that's the song that they were. Exactly. Playing. That's that's the callback, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So actually, that's that's some of my connections notes. Is there are quite a few good callbacks in this. We have. Uh, I'm going to mention Regina's scene where she's playing lacrosse. Uh, that mm-hmm. I believe is a callback to uh, the gym scene and the reference to a big pile of girls. <laughs> Although, again, I'm not totally sure if that's deliberate. I think I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say it is. <laughs> um, and also the return of the just kidding thing in voiceover. Oh, yes, yeah, so this is one of the ending finishes on the, the voiceover, which is interesting. Um, yeah. And the yellow bus, which I find intriguingly here is um, we've talked about, you know, what does it represent? Is it some kind of cosmic force? And I hadn't noticed this until I was doing the notes. Intriguingly, uh, it's implied that the bus exists as an agent of the collective will of the school because the line is actually, if anyone disturbs the peace or something like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we know how to yeah, deal with them. Um, but I kind of love know. that, but it's a yeah. little creepy. <laughs> it's a little creepy. Yeah, I don't want to think about it too much. Um, we could go back to music, though. So uh, music, there's a very mysterious very mysterious not that mysterious there's a song on the soundtrack listing after kd has given her speech you can just hear in the background this quite minimalistic drum driven song supposedly called oh yeah by a guy called gabriel rene but Hmm. it seems to be impossible to actually find and listen to it doesn't have any release history it's just i think done for this done for this soundtrack but yeah very odd very and then creepy. there's uh, Halcyon and On and On by Orbital, quite a well-known oh, um, yeah. uh, That's the serene music that starts at the end of the dance, segues through the epilogue, and then yeah. in the end credits, it continues because it's a really long song. It's a very uh, long And then segues yeah. into Dancing With Myself, uh, performed by The Donners, a band that yeah. I'd completely forgotten about until I watched this again. Uh, I quite like them. It's a Great song. Dance, I really enjoyed yeah, that song. Billy, Billy Idol originally, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, my fun fact about the Donners is that their lead singer uh, is called Brett Anderson, and she has the same name as the male lead singer of, um, wait, Suede, yeah, Brett Anderson. 
fun fact. Right. Fun um, fact. <laughs> for certain certain versions of fun. Um, do you have any actors and crew connections? Um, I've written down Jessica Lopez, and for some reason I can't remember mm. who Jessica Lopez is. Oh, she is one of the crown piece recipients, isn't she? Is she? Oh my god, that I makes think. sense. Yeah. I wrote down Jessica Lopez was placed was played by Olympia Lucas, who was in the movie Mission Ninety Two Dragonfly and The Expanse. <laughs> is in the Expanse. Ah, that's a thing I people keep telling me is good, and I tried to watch it, and I kind of yeah. uh, I don't know. Maybe yeah. I should give it a second shot just to see. I didn't really get into a, it. To a be minor, honest. a minor actor from uh, Mean Girls. Okay, I got a couple. I looked up all the junior plastics. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're all Canadian, which, you know, tracks. Makes sense. Um, uh, Megan Millington, Mean Girls is her only movie credit. Shannon Todd, only two credits after Mean Girls, so they kind of child actors who stopped. Uh, Tara Shelley, however, is still working in movies up until recently. And uh, a few years after Mean Girls, she appeared in three Nickelodeon TV movies uh, in the Roxy Hunter series, which is some kind of detective adventure tweens so kind of a what's the word journeyman career there um i also want to mention the crew people that i think we talked about mark quarters a bit before although um actually no i do want to mention mark quarters because just the other day i finally you'll be pleased to know watched he's the man which is directed by mark quarters and uh i want to draw some parallels how upsetting was that (laughs) um i mean it was sort of Wait, did you did you mean he's all that? Oh, sorry, yeah, no, no, sorry, yeah, he's all that. I'm sorry, yeah, he's a man is that is depressing. He's all that. On the other hand, it's a remake of She's All That, confusingly yeah. with guest appearances from Matthew Lillard and uh, Rachel Lee Cook. And yeah, Matthew Lillard plays the principal who has some similarities with Principal Duval in, in Mean Girls, yeah. also making uh, sarky comments over the uh, PA and at yeah. the award ceremony. I think that's a Mark Waters theme. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Mark I, Waters I quite, would make a bad principal. I think he would. He would. Um, I don't know. I, I quite liked um I thought he thought that was okay because I was able to continue my Cobra Kai uh, pastime of just constantly going, that guy looks exactly like a small Val Kilmer. So <laughs> that guy's named Hannah or something. Anyway, other things. Darren Ricardo, cinematographer. Um he has been the cinematographer on loads of things, uh, including My Father the Hero, uh, an underrated classic starring Gerard Depardieu, uh, Bring It On, and the also underrated Lake Placid, which is about a big crocodile and has, is, has lots of good sarcastic jokes in it. And then, let's see, Wendy, Green's, Wendy Green Brickmont, the editor. Amazingly, her first credit in IMDb not necessarily as the main editor, is Annie Hall. Can you believe that? Whoa. Yeah, right? (laughs) Crazy. (laughs) She also was the editor on Herbie Fully Loaded, the other good Lindsay Lohan film. No, oh my God. We should do something on Herbie Fully Loaded. It's a great movie. We should. Maybe we need to just, uh, yeah, any future podcasts, we're definitely doing one episode for one movie. I'm not doing any more splits. That's all I'm saying. Insane. <laughs> yeah, but okay, that's it. That's all my connections that I got, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. 
Okay, so that, well, that does kind of wrap it up, but uh, as a special bonus segment, I got to ask, what, what do you think we've learned from this whole experience? You know? I think what I've learned from this whole experience is that once you act as a, as a character in Mean Girls, your career is basically over. Yeah, for like 90% of the cast. <laughs> 90% of the cast. Yeah. Um, you just kind of stop acting. <laughs> Most people yeah. just peaked with Mean Girls. Peaked in high school. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little bit. I think, I think a lot of people have got quite... Um, gone into sort of production careers as well. I think that's pretty common. So maybe it's maybe that's a bit too mean. I don't know. I think it's been interesting to uh, just look in arguably too much detail at a film that isn't considered a classic. You know, like if we were doing this about Citizen Kane, that would be a different um, proposition. And But actually, more importantly, I think to look at something that's not intended to be a kind of grand work of art, that's just meant mm -hmm. to be a, an, you know, a quite, a quite ordinary film, because I think especially after you know, um, was it like 2004, getting on for 20 years, um, looking at how it represents <laughs> what approximates ordinary life for, uh, you know, American teenagers and so on, or the, you know, the choices that the production made uh, is, yeah, I don't know, I think it's, uh, it is interesting and kind of worthwhile. I think if anything's worth doing, it's worth doing in slightly, slightly too much detail. So, <laughs> yeah, good. No regrets. <laughs> yeah, no regrets. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, I've, uh, I've done things I never imagined, such as DMing Daniel Francesi to ask him about his favourite chef of pasta. Would that have happened yeah. without this podcast? Probably not, although, <laughs> although you never know, do you? Yeah, you might get bored one random Saturday afternoon and start DMing people for no reason. And... I mean, that is almost what happened to be fair, <laughs> with, the, with the, the thin veneer of podcast legitimacy. But yeah, I don't know. It's been good. So. Yeah. Well, right. I'm, it was definitely fun doing this podcast, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is probably the time to plug our other podcasts to any remaining listeners. You've got, you've got another pod that you did haven't you yes um it's called nerd and say we talk mm -hmm. about all things nerdy although um my our, the podcast host and i i mean the co-host and i are both going through a lot in our lives right now so we're taking a small hiatus <laughs> to sort <laughs> of get ourselves <laughs> a little a little bit healthier mentally physically <laughs> spiritually yeah and no. get back into it no, that's all right i mean uh, if uh, people haven't heard it before they've got the the older episodes to go and listen through while they wait so that's cool yeah. um wait do i have anything to plug oh yeah i'm also on a podcast about something even nerdier role-playing games Love it. Fear, fear of a black dragon we won an award once some time ago uh so yeah if that's your sort of thing you can listen to that uh, I guess that's it, right? This, yeah. This, yeah. Thank you okay. for listening. Thank yeah, you thank for, you for being with us on our journey. Yeah. Don't don't bother leaving a review. There's not going to be any more, so, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. But uh, if you do want to drop us a message or something, uh, oh, we're on Twitter. You can DM us on Twitter, I guess. 
because um, yeah. we're, we're not going to give out our contact details on the internet. Yeah, that's a little weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thanks, Rania. It's been great. Thanks, Tom. And thank you, listeners. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.